Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Today I am joined by David Stepanovichis and Luca Govinnik of Canadian death metal band Atre Billis. David is the band's guitarist and lyricist, and Luca is the band's drummer. Atre Billis has released one EP with their debut album, Apex Sapien, on October 8th, 2021. They most recently played the Modified Ghost Fest in Vancouver, BC with Dying Fetus and Deicide. In addition to some great music, they've also worked with some heavy hitters in the metal world, such as Christophe Spazdel, Ilyran Kentor, Adam Burke, and Christian Donaldson. Luca, David, thank you both for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Pleasure to be here. So tell me a bit, a bit about Modified Ghost Fest. Like, was this your first time playing a festival, and what was it like? First time with this band, anyway, I think. Yeah, it was, it was actually our second show. So we played one show what, weeks before the pandemic hit? Yeah, which was also kind of a festival, I guess. Um, I, well, was it? I don't know. It, I it's like it's... a series of concerts uh, called uh, A Night of Death and Doom, um, organized here in Vancouver. So that was, uh, I don't know what installment in order. But anyway, yeah, that was with the uh, Catonic Deity, with the guy from Blood Incantation and Charlie, the drummer from uh, Send the Dead, and Erica, right, from... Uh, Necrosick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was amazing. So that was our, our only show before the pandemic, and then it all happened, and then yeah, yeah. And Jason, um, who runs Modified Ghost, has been really supportive of the band through the pandemic as well. Um, you know, he helped us put together a couple of videos and stuff that you you may uh, have seen on YouTube and stuff, which was which is a really positive thing um, for us. So many thanks to Jason, and then we were invited to do the Modified Ghost Fest. Um, which, which was great. We were ready to play at that point because we, um, we had a new bass player, but, um, yeah, we, we unfortunately had to turn down a couple of other opportunities before that, um, just kind of preparing to get ready to play live again. Um, so things lined up really well. It kind of looked like we came back with, with everything lining up really well. So, um, yeah, the fest itself was really great. All the other bands um, on the Saturday night that we played with um, were, were really cool. We didn't get a chance to chat with Deicide or anything, but um, yeah, all the other bands were the man, really what cool. a show. Yeah. Deicide, oh my it was, lord. Would you say it was fucked? It was, <laughs> it was an incredible set. I can't believe how good it was. Well, yeah. I mean, I can, but it's still, yeah. Yeah, it was. It it's was amazing. Yeah, it was their first show with their new guitar player, and as the Gate Creeper guys said, it sounded like he started the band. <laughs> it was just so <laughs> well. That's legit. Yeah. yeah. So did they play a lot of older music or kind of a mix? Oh of yeah. Music? Oh yeah. They almost played entire Legion in full, almost mm -hmm. like two thirds of Once Upon the, the Cross. Cross. Yeah. Played Nice. Of the light, like all the good stuff. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, it was no frills, so no gimmicks, no merchandise, no intro samples, Nothing. no encore. On and off, they just came on, flattened, left. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> <clears throat> That's refreshing nowadays with everybody doing like multiple encores. One hundred percent. Yeah, I saw them back in uh, fuck. When was it? Like maybe twenty fifteen or just before, like just after the release of Health God, mm -hmm. and that was the first time I'd seen them alive. And it fuck, man, they put on a good show then. Totally. Yeah, I'd never seen them before. Um, I don't yeah. know if you've seen them before. But... Mm, no, I haven't. Yeah, that was the first time for both of us. Mm. Incredible. Glenn sounded, I think, <laughs> I mean, insane. The best yeah. he ever, he ever they, sounded. They all did. I mean, I was just. Steve, up, yeah. Yo, oh my God. Yeah, 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 we could go on. Yeah, we could, just, we, we could talk yeah. about this side for the whole hour. Next more, question. <laughs> so, who are some other bands that stuck out for you, or at least some other sets? <clears throat> uh, from that, that event? Yeah. 
Vitri it was great to see Vitriol as For well sure. with their new drummer. Uh, it's Matt. Matt. Yeah, Matt's a really cool guy. He actually plays drums um, with Gorgasm. Yeah, Gorgasm Matt. Shout out. Yeah, and one of our friends, Sasha, who mm -hmm. lives in Vancouver, is also in Gorgasm. So, so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, Matt's all of Matt's projects have been ins insanely cool. Like Nicholas Deeds and stuff is is one of my personal favorites oh, in, the, in the brutal death game. But yeah, so seeing Vitriol was great. Um, Kyle's a, a bit of a friend too, so it was great to catch up with Kyle. Gate Creeper guys were the nicest yeah, ever. It's, Dudes, it's crazy. So. Yeah, it's crazy what sun <laughs> does to a whole band. You know, we're, we're used to rain and misery and complaining. we have no sun. Now we do, but. But yeah, the the gay creeper guys were. It was it was almost, it, yeah. I don't I don't even know. They were just so positive. You yeah. know, it was really refreshing to just kind of be around that that type of energy. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, big ups to to those guys for. Yeah, just, the turnout was great. Out. Sold out show as well. Um, one other night was sold out as well. I think the feet this night. Yeah. Mm. So all in all, it was probably was it his best? I don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I. I've, I've only been to one other. I've been modified. to two before, yeah. yeah. It was great. Okay. It's great. Yeah. For you guys, what are the biggest differences in being an audience member and actually playing the festival? Other than, of course, the performing part of it. But, um, well, I I definitely don't drink when I'm playing the show. Mm. Um, not that I drink <laughs> a lot, anyways. But um, you know, I can kind of <clears> relax <throat> and be a little more social. So I guess you know, just being able to kind of entangle. Um, a bit more with friends and and stuff is is a little more limited when when you're playing um you get to meet a lot of people that that are big supporters which which is a, a really big positive but it's kind of you know it's like a give or take there you know so, so i guess that's that's a, a really good thing being able to meet people that kind of want to come out and um you know say hello and you know thank you and talk with you and and all that stuff um, but on the same token, you know, it's still very much work. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when you're, when you're performing, you know, like getting the gear on and off stage, having to worry about merch and stuff like that, uh, like they take, that takes a lot of time, you know, that you would normally spend socializing and just like being there. But yeah, we got to see all the bands, which was amazing. We were just, you know, stage, right. So, um, Yeah. So how did it feel like as a, a relatively newer band and obviously not having too many shows under your belt as Atribilis, how did it feel to play with guys like DSI, Dying Fetus and like the pioneers of Canadian metal, like um, Razor Sacrifice and Exciter? Uh, well, I guess we all probably feel a little bit differently about this. I mean, it was Miles's first show with us. So he, um, you know, I think he kind of felt like he, he had a lot of stepping up to do. Um, not that we had any concerns any about miles we, we love miles and knew that he'd kill it and he did and it was awesome um i think jordan was just just excited to just scream again you know <laughs> um i i I'm, I'm probably a little bit different in that um you know I, I i think this band works very hard and so um you know i'm i'm always kind of wanting this band to be as elevated as, as possible and play with you know the best you know most inspiring Kind of circle of bands so having an opportunity to kind of learn and, and observe and just kind of you know soak in what these what these really pro artists do is is yeah it, it's it's a, a major component for me as somebody who's like continually learning um 
So, so that was cool. But I also feel that with a lot of work that we put into it, that, you know, we should be, I'd like to be playing to as many audiences and, you know, stand next to our, our inspirations and stuff. So it, it feels right. It feels like home in a big way as well. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a complex kind of thing to unpack, I guess, but how do you feel? Felt very natural for me. Yeah. Yeah. We got on stage, you know, the sound was great. Um, everything worked, which was yeah, amazing, amazing help from, from, you know, um, the people at the rickshaw and everybody else who was employed to kind of help bands on and off stage. Um, yeah, it was short though. It was just 25 minutes. So we're definitely looking forward to more, you know? Yeah, it was, it, it was a bit weird too, because we didn't actually know whether it was going to be like a packed venue or just tumbleweed honestly, because, I mean, we hadn't played a show since before COVID and we knew that there was some great support out there, but we didn't actually really know whether we'd be playing to one person or, or more. So we kind of went in there um, knowing that regardless, it was going to be basically just like great practice for us and, and other shows as well. But thankfully, um, the reception was, it was really, really good. I mean, it yeah. was, it was, it was packed when we were playing. So we, we certainly felt confident and um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was nice, I guess, you know, but yeah, it was cool. As we've touched on a couple of times now, um, before the pandemic, you only played one show. How long are you sitting on, uh, let me, hold on, tell me if I pronounced this wrong, Divinity, is that how you say it? Yeah, you can say it that way or Divinity. Um, okay. Yeah. So how long are you guys sitting on um, all that material before releasing it? Because you guys were kind of stuck by the pandemic, right? Yeah, so that was the Vinhility was released through Transcending Obscurity Records, and there were uh, there were a lot of delays around that time, um, and not just with us, but a, a lot of bands on that label. Um, and we were, I mean, I was personally extremely anxious to get it out because I'm just kind of like addicted to momentum, and um, mm -hmm. being our first release, we we didn't have the tools to do anything until we had our release out you know, people to connect with it and build a fan base and get out and tour and things. Um, so it was, we were sitting on it. When did we record it? it was, <clears throat> I think it was done. Everything was done already in August or September, 2019. And then it was a long while until we actually uh, put the first song out. Um, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was all about the schedule and, you know, what he wanted to get out first and stuff like that. So I think the first song came out on january 3rd 2020 yeah so we 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 kind of pushed for that to be released because we had our first show and we wanted people to know what we sounded like before that show hmm. the was originally scheduled to be released in march of 2020 yeah but it wasn't actually released until august, august. yeah 2020 so, long, long so we were in the thick of covid when that happened unbeknownst to us the world flipped upside down but leading leading up to releasing, I mean, we, we had a, we had a list of live shows that we were supposed to be playing. And yeah, absolutely. We were... There was at least two shows scheduled of which yeah, I can't really talk um, or say anything more, but it was, it was a couple of really big bands that were going to go through, Van they were going to come through Vancouver and uh, yeah, we were supposed to be on the bill, which, you know, looked pretty exciting and promising, but then, you know, shut down mm. and uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So it was, it was, it was a while. I mean, I think we, 
we musically we had written most of Apex Apian by the time the Vindicility was released. I think there was one or two songs. I think we had like uh, six yeah. songs <laughs> okay. by August 2020. Yeah, mm. we just kept writing right after we finished recording. We just, you know, and that's what we do. I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but the new album is ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's not, but it's, 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 it's definitely it's, getting, yeah, there, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's sounding. Yeah, it's sounding. It's definitely sounding. So. And so then is Miles going to be on this album? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I know this is jumping around a little bit, but how does Miles um, change your sound at all? Or what does he add to your sound? Um, so the next album uh, musically um, has, has been totally written. So because we've been, because, because this album has been written musically and we've been preparing for live shows with Miles, um, there's, there's just been a small window where, um, there just, there just hasn't been an opportunity to integrate a lot of his ideas to, to the musical aspects of, of the skeleton of the songs. So when we record with Miles, there's definitely going to be opportunities to, you know, open up ideas and experiment a little bit during the tracking process. He's, he's showed us, um, some riffs and some ideas that, that he's prepared in the vein of Artre Billis and it's fucking insane. Like it's, it is some of the coolest, coolest shit. So we are really, really excited to integrate, um, not just, you know, his vocals and potentially, you know, lyric ideas as well, but, but also his musicality. I think what's really interesting about Miles is he's, he's actually a guitar player, um, and, and a vocalist. So, his lens into music is, is really wide and he's got a really good understanding of just music generally and picks things up so quickly. Yeah. So he's got a degree in it too. Right? Yeah. He just finished that. Yeah. So compliments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we're really excited about that as, as far as the, the live, um, aspect of things, his, his presence is, is awesome. He definitely brings out, a lot of energy in us in, as individuals playing, um, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll get his voice on a lot of things as well, which will just create just, just more open, more dynamic, you know, more diversity in, in our soundscapes. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting recording because he does play guitar and bass and I also play guitar and bass. It will be a little interesting in that we won't actually be able to share an instrument in the studio because he's left-handed and I'm right-handed. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be we'll be bouncing off each other a lot. He's just really enthusiastic and really hungry, and yeah, he's he's been contributing a lot to the band. So yeah, it's 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 hard to say. We're just kind of just just rolling with with what feels good right now. But yeah, it's all positive with Miles for sure. We're very very lucky to to be playing with him. Seems like his addition was kind of like on purpose for you guys. Like he's got the intuition, he's got the knowledge and then the charisma to boost you guys up. So how did you come across him or seek him out? Uh, through a friend. Okay. Uh, just through, through one of my friends uh, who he plays with. Uh, that's actually another another band that he has going. Uh, it's called Dissemination and mm-hmm. sort of like, um, it's like, like an old school death grind kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, very, cool. very chunky. 
Um, so he plays bass and sings in that band. Yeah. And as soon as I talked to my friend and said, Hey man, like, do you know somebody who could, you know, who could be a great fit for us? And he said, yeah, Miles. And then <laughs> just called him up and, uh, <clears throat> that was it pretty much. Um, he already, I think prepared a couple of songs for us to go through on the first, uh, yeah, on the first he's... like he was that was it. Yeah, so Me, I, I I I don't tab much. Like a lot of different guitar players have got different ways of kind of keeping records of their songs. But Luca and I write or have written the music, um, you know, primarily just in the space out of just I don't want to say improvise, but just kind of we hit this creative flow state and just you know the songs just kind of manifest in a, in a way. And so once once they're kind of settled in our brains, I don't, I don't really document any of it. So I didn't have too many tabs to send miles, but Miles's ear for music is so in tune that he's been able to just, um, yeah, learn most of the songs by ear, which, which has been awesome because it also kind of has spared me a lot of time in writing oh, tabs yeah. and stuff down, which isn't fun for me. So, um, yeah, and the new stuff he's picking up on pretty oh, fast, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say in real time as as we're kind of jamming ideas, he's he's right there in the pocket just just picking it up and jamming with us and stuff. So he's, yeah, he's... Yeah, and the good tone, you know, he's got a really good tone, which is important. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're looking for a very specific sound. There you go. Yeah. I mean, there's only four of us, right? So it's like each of us are kind of like in a corner trying to hold down that section. So <laughs> it's, much, yeah. you know, it's, 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 I, I guess, you know, we, we try and be, you know, we're some of our parts in the, you know, for us to have a, a sound of power, you know, none of us can sound weak. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So now we touched on this before uh, we started recording. Sorry, my mouse is going crazy. Um, you guys have had a long history in music, so about 20 years, let's say. Um, how did you guys get into learning music, and how were you guys exposed to metal? You want to go first? Right on. So um, my whole family is, uh, you know, I come from that music background. Like, my dad's a composer. My mom used to play, you know, a violin. My, my uh, sister sings opera and teaches piano and stuff like that. And so I actually got into it a little later again under the influence of my uncle who was a drummer uh who got me hooked on some of my first bands that i ever heard in my life like you know testament or you know alice in chains uh, metallica um fate no more and stuff like that so that's kind of where i come from and that that happened very early on um yeah and so i just kind of took off from there so i do um i did finish uh, like a music school back home as well and it was mostly like um classical percussion training like um so to play in an orchestra and stuff like that you know and marching bands and and things like that um but obviously being obsessed with playing in a band you know uh, in a in in a metal band i just kind of took off from there and you know found found my own path um yeah just played in a couple of bands uh when i was really young until one of the more serious things happened around 2006 or 7 when i joined uh this black metal band called the stone back in serbia that's where i'm from um and so yeah those are my you know brothers to this day as well i spent about nine and a half years you know playing in that band and we pretty much toured all around europe um and that was it yeah me moving to canada was kind of 
kind of what you know uh, took me out of that band essentially because they you know simply needed somebody to be there and i couldn't all the time although i did travel for years you know back to to europe to tour and, and stuff like that um yeah and so my first experience with like festivals and and longer you know runs was with that band uh <clears throat> and yeah that, that was it like atrabilis is my first you know like the first death metal band that i'm in uh, and by far probably you know like the most serious you know venture that i have in that um that direction and yeah we'll see where it goes but um yeah definitely working non-stop you know we just jam all the time which which is great because it feels so natural and you know the songs just just come and like we have a few songs that we've totally discarded which at the time i thought were fantastic but you know as the time goes by and ideas shuffle and um we bring some new things to the table yeah but that's also kind of easy to do uh with this band which which is amazing so mm-hmm. that's me yeah it's cool like I'd, I'd love to to get over to belgrade and kind of check out your roots oh, and so just cool. just have a bit of a tour of, of everything and uh, i don't know the rest of the guys in the stone but marco um, I think he's probably the main force of that band, oh, yeah. guitar player and stuff. He's he's also helped us a lot behind the scenes. So I'd love to meet Marco and like a big, big shout out to Marco. Uh, yeah, you're a fucking ripper, buddy. So uh, yeah, <laughs> can't wait to hang. Um, as far as my background's concerned, I didn't have a musical family. Um, my mother could break glass by humming. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I kind of found music a little bit later. It was actually through channels of my younger brother's friends who would bring records over that their elder brothers would would have. So, you know, it kind of started off with like the skater punk kind of stuff at a very, very young age, which kind of, um, you know, it kind of got some hooks into me, you know, because I started hearing, you know, heavier guitars and stuff like that. So I was kind of on the cusp of like alternative music for, for a little while. And then I, I guess it was when I was around 12 or 13, um, just kind of being on the internet a lot more, I was able to access more music. Um, and yeah, it just, it just led me to a community of other music fans, you know, both locally and, and around and sharing music and ideas and stuff. So you know, thanks to file sharing software and stuff like that, I was exposed to to heavier music around that time, which just became a bit of an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what life is like, just it, it lines things up in, in a lot of ways. And I had moved to a, a separate primary school and um, would, would hang out with, with a couple of guys my age who instead of going to play outside and kind of, kick balls around and stuff they would instead use the art room space and just with an acoustic guitar and a couple of pads and stuff they just play songs together and I thought that it was it was really cool so out of that they asked me if I would play bass lines on an acoustic guitar um, just to kind of fill in that that part of what they were doing and then that kind of cascaded into me convincing my mother to buy me a bass guitar at about 13 or something. And I started getting some lessons on bass. And by that point, you know, I was listening to a, to a lot of, um, yeah, like almost heavy music exclusively, I would say. 
And so I started learning songs from bands that I was listening to. And then by the age of 15, I, um, through the metal community and stuff, I, I ended up joining a band, um, which was kind of like this white zombie slash vision of disorder kind of like hardcore metal thing but just totally soaked in like horror movie samples which was perfect for me because I kind of grew up with horror VHS and stuff as well so I wasn't the main songwriter but I I learned a lot about music um through through that band that dissolved I was still really hungry for music and a lot of what I learned was just like recording demos at home and things. And so I started up a band called the Ocularis Infernum, which was um, something that I was like very emotionally attached to for a long time and a big part of my early 20s, <clears throat> which was how long it ran for, I guess. Um, and that was a cool kind of like death grind band, um, I think. And Played with some amazing musicians, you know, that at points it had members from bands like the Red Shore and Navely Viscaris and stuff who are doing some some great things. That folded. I um, picked up guitar because I just wanted to continue to record, write music and ended up doing a very dumb, non-lyrical death grind band. Extremely um, influential. <laughs> <laughs> uh, called, called The Mung. Um and we, we did a bit of touring around Australia and, um, yeah, I kind of cut my teeth even more as I guess a guitar player and putting on a lot of shows as well. It was very DIY. I was just, I, I wasn't relying on anybody else. So that band was very much a product of, of the effort that, that we put into it. So I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do in that band. And then I put guitar down for a long time because I got sick and tired of being depressed of my life when I wasn't touring and working shitty factory jobs and all this stuff. So I decided to go back to school and fast forward some five, six years, I ended up somehow living in Vancouver (laughs) and um, I hadn't played guitar since and bumped into Luca at a local record store two weeks after I bought a guitar. (laughs) And we jammed and, and here we are. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind for me. But, uh, yeah, this is my first Canadian band. Um, and, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been interesting, I'll say, for sure. The scene here is very different to, to the scene that I came from, that's for sure. So, What are some of the biggest, biggest changes between the scenes? Um, I'd say there's a lot more community back in Melbourne. Um, yeah, I, I I think that musicians can afford to live there for starters. A lot of musicians can't afford to live in Vancouver. So mm. Melbourne's <clears throat> cultural fabric is it's just it's rich, you know, and it's it's not just in the form of music, but you know, that expression comes out in in food and coffee and street art and just just everything. So it's just it's it's an extremely inspiring place to make music. It's, um, it's accessible because people can afford to work less and create more. And I think, you know, I, I, I think people are just a little more fearless over there in, in that people care less about trying to pay rent. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> but also I, I, I think people just at the core just express themselves because 
they have to, right? Like they want to and they have to. So rather than giving things any tags, they just they just do it. It's just a lot more fluid. So you get just a really incredible um, range of sounds and bands and collaborations that uh, just it's 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 weird and eclectic and and obscure and um, it's it's just really really stimulating and there's I don't know it's just it's there's just more of that and. It's not to say that there aren't, um, you know, there aren't great things happening here in Vancouver, but it doesn't, it doesn't lean into the weird as much. So, um, you know, those peripheral influences, you know, they, they stimulate in the entire culture. So I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing, you know, affordability and, and how it affects creativity. Um, and I don't know, I think it's just a more social place. I think people are just, <laughs> people hang out with strangers a lot more there. You know? That's interesting. Back home in Serbia, it's unaffordability and how that affects things. And again, similar things happen and all these like weird influence and just people wanting to explore more. But, you know, um, a lot of people struggle there because, you know, it's like there's no money, the economy shit um, and stuff like that. So, but yeah, still. You know, mm. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is interesting, actually, that you say that because I I would definitely say that there's like an atmosphere about music coming out of that part of the world that's like a lot more totally. serious and yeah. a lot more cold and a lot more um, potent, I guess. Whereas nobody's really that upset in Melbourne. You know there what I mean? Go, so man, it's yeah. like the, there's a lot of humor in our music as well, like particularly in in the grindcore circles. You know, it's it's very self-aware about, you know, like the boganisms and the ochorisms and things of, of being Australian and just kind of embracing that and just wearing it on your sleeve and making a joke out of it. But I don't think there's even that many joke bands here. Like there have been in the past, but anyways, it's, yeah, it's it's different. It's different. Yeah. Just leave it at that. Fair enough. It's interesting that you mentioned that there's like, um, more of a sense of community in Australia. Like I, it, from my experience, it's been nothing but community. So to hear that, especially from a quote unquote, a Canadian band. Um, yeah, I just find that interesting. I'm not sure if it's, if like you're experiencing certain people in particular or like gatekeeping or stuff like that, uh, maybe more elitism, but like, I just, I guess I've never experienced that side of things. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess it's important to indicate that like, we're not generalizing Canada as a whole, um, mm. you know, and we're certainly not, um, trying to impose that this is this is um, a, a negative, um, you know, I guess like angle at our local mm-hmm. scene at all. Um, what what I am trying to express is just the abundance of community in in Melbourne. Like it is very much like whether you like it or not, you're going to get smothered by strangers. And I just I I I, I feel that that's. That's just not how people are in Vancouver generally. No, um, I agree totally. Yeah, and that's that. That's all that I'm trying to say. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when when I talk about community, like I'm I'm literally not just thinking about, you know, the music and the jamming with people, but I'm I'm thinking about the sense of family that happens afterwards, mm-hmm. where it's like the open barbecues and the beach days and the, you know, like that that does happen here. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but in my experience, to the same extent. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel that like a lot of the transplants in Vancouver seem to be more inclined to that. But I, I, I don't know. It, it, you're right. It could could just be my circles. And 
I'm, I'm absolutely not. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm not trying to paint this as, as, as anything but, but different. Um, you know, and totally. yeah. So. I think like something being born and raised in Calgary, something that I've noticed is like, when you touched on uh, hanging out with strangers quite a bit, I've noticed that a lot of Australians that I've met are like that. Whereas a lot of people, even in my city, it's like they have um, no time for that kind of stuff. They'd rather just stick within their group. Um, you don't have sitting people sitting down at other people's tables, stuff like that. But traveling abroad, like I've noticed that quite a bit more. Mm. So I wonder, I wonder what causes that. It's kind well, of interesting to see, especially with like I think maybe just because Australia has it's like it's only Australia. You can't go somewhere else without having to fly overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But I don't know. I, I think it's important to to underscore here that some of the coolest, friendliest people here that I know in Vancouver are from Alberta. They're from Edmonton. Mm. They're from Calgary, and they've moved here. Sure. And like true. they are, they are rockers. As, as we would say, <laughs> they're yeah. They oh yeah. They they fucking rule. You know, um, I'm I'm instantly thinking a couple of my friends here. You know, Becker and Allison, and yeah, they're just they're just total chillers. You know. Um, you know, Jesse, I think, is from Alberta as well. Mm. Yeah, a lot of our friends are, are yeah. So it's, yeah, it, again, try not to generalize Canada as a whole, but, yeah, I've I've, I've definitely felt that, what, what do you guys call yourselves, Albertans? Like, what are you? Yeah, Albertans, the, yeah. You know I just live here. I don't give a fuck what people call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Al, Al, Albertans are a real chill. Um, I feel like uh, people from Toronto are really fucking chill. My my roomies from from Winnipeg and she and all of her friends are awesome. Um, I've found the Quebecois to be very inclusive and very, um, yeah, very very open to to talking with me and learning and stuff whenever I'm out there for shows and stuff as well. So um, yeah, it's 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 a mystery, man. I <laughs> I don't know what it is either, but um, yeah, it's it's a complex complex conversation and i think there's there's a lot of things going on that might have to do with weather and frenemies and yeah just just a big complex soup of things you know i don't know yeah and it's each individual person as well like uh, one thing that i've always been told is people from quebec they don't like it when you speak english but driving through there and i only spent only spent a few days but not a single person kind of gave me attitude and i think part of that was just from the way i approach things or how mm. i talk to people i think if you're being an asshole you're gonna get that in return yeah i was in montreal many times never ran into any kinds of issues mm. you know pertaining to english you know <laughs> speaking or anything like that yeah yeah Awesome scene there, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good food. Good, oh, man. Yeah. Good food. Yeah. Good everything. Yeah. Montreal rips. Now for you guys, uh, we've touched on moving. We've touched on um, different countries and stuff. So how did you guys both end up in Canada and why? Um, my dad came here at the end of 90s. And then I haven't seen him for a few years. And then just one day, you know, he was in position to kind of bring me over. Uh, so I came for a visit a couple of times and uh, then, yeah, ultimately just um, decided to try and, you know, make a life here. So that was it. Um, yeah. My story was very different. I, I wish it was, I'm really happy with how things have, have panned out, but I, I effectively had a, um, had a working holiday visa in my back pocket um, as a contingency. Um, I was, <clears throat> I was dating an American for a long time and, um, visas in America can be, can be a little more challenging. So, um, I, I had a visa in my back pocket, um, 
and you know my life kind of fell apart to put it bluntly you know I kind of went through a series of, of very sad events and stuff and I didn't like how I was treating myself or those around me and had to do some soul searching so I I felt that that visa was a um, it was a silver lining out of things that, that had lined up and I decided to just sell everything that I own and uh, jumped on a plane, um, one-way ticket to Toronto and just kind of wanted to let the wind float me around instead of trying to control the wind and just try to be a little more perceptive about things in my life and uh, things in the East Coast um, weren't, you know, I, I guess it was not working out for good reason and... I, I ended up here in Vancouver and in a very, very short period of time, I secured a, a great job that I'm still at today and um, met some fantastic people that are still in my direct support system and stuff. And then eventually met Luca and yeah, decided to, to hang back and, and play music again. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really planned for me at all. I came here on a bus with two bags on my back and no housing and things just kind of fell into place for me. So, yeah. That's cool. How did you put your, uh, push yourself out of that negative mindset and looking back, what were some of the most important lessons that you learned? Well, it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. Being negative was not, um, you know, I was a product of my own environment and I was just manifesting a lot of negativity. And so it was just time to look inward and I've always, I've always felt that life starts at the end of your comfort zone, right? Like what's the point in living a complacent negative within a complacent negative bubble? I just, I just don't get it. I, f I feel like, you, I don't know, maybe it's just like my, my, my being that just is just like addicted to, to momentum and, and moving forward and stuff. Like I, I feel as Luca can definitely confirm, I am most anxious when I'm stagnant. Like if I can't move and accomplish things, I am <clears throat> the world's biggest asshole, you know? And, you know, it's, it's not great for those around me, but it also just, it, it just, it, whatever it is, it just, it just keeps me moving in, in a direction. I just, I refuse to just sit. And, um, so I don't know, I, I don't, I don't know if it was a, a combination of just personal growth or just my, my fiber just being like, just move homie, just you know just just keep moving you know i think life's about experience um you know and i'm not a materialistic person and so you know saying goodbye to a home was not not a concern of mine i didn't have a dog i didn't have a partner i didn't have a kid i didn't have a you know i had i had me and um yeah just just went for it i mean what's the worst that could happen you know i'd come back with yeah with with new knowledge and you know a better version of myself so i just i just went for it you know that's a really cool way to look at things, especially when you've kind of lifted that weight off your shoulder and made the decision, just said, fuck it, I'm out, I'm going to do this. And then it's also really good to be self-aware enough to notice like where your downfalls lie and kind of what's what's making your life a problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a continuum. It's, it's forever going on. Like it'll never, I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I'm, I'm totally comfortable with everything. You know, I don't know if that's a curse or a blessing, but, um, you know, it's scary too, but... You know, I don't know. I think I, re I respect people in my life that, um, that do scary shit, you know, that, that to me is a, it's a, it's a measure of, of integrity. Um, and you know, that's just one of my personal things. I just, I, it, it's a value of mine, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've, I've met the most amazing people, um, 
who have essentially been gifts in my life because of that as well. You know, Luca and this band is definitely testament to that. Like it, I didn't, I didn't know that any of this was going to happen and nobody owed any of this to me, but thankfully it, it, it worked out. So I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, there are people like Luca and the other guys in the band and stuff that, you know, were willing to, to hang out and stuff with me as a stranger. So yeah, it's cool. Luca, um, what are some of the biggest differences between living here and in Serbia? Uh, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, just from that social aspect, it, it is the community again. Um, I definitely had way more of that back home, you know. Um, I was also a lot younger, like I came here uh, 2012, so it's been, you know, 10 years. Uh, I've been back, you know, quite a few times in, in those years and stayed for, you know, longer periods of time. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, just that that kind of, like this here, you know, Vancouver especially, I feel like it's, it's like a money-making machine. Like you sort of have to get on board with everything that's happening here. Like you have to get a good job. You have to get, you know, um, cause it's very expensive to live here. I just want to put mm -hmm. that out there for anybody who doesn't know, but, uh, yeah, Vancouver is extremely expensive and there's no signs of stopping that. And, uh, I guess because of that, people feel, you know, more stressed and they don't really reach out often and there's no casual hangs, you know, and stuff like that, which back home pretty much we were, you know, raised and that's how we were and stuff like that. And there was always somebody hanging out and, and talking and traveling and stuff like that. And there's just a little less of that here, but it's also because it's so, um, far away from everything, right? Like, I mean, yeah, sure. We have, you know, stateside like Washington and then down California and Oregon. And, you know, I did go to some of those places and it was amazing and stuff like that, but yeah, generally just comes down to that, you know, it's expensive and there's just less community, less, less openness. And I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's what I find most. Uh, yeah. I mean, you definitely value like, um, like, yeah, it, it, it seems to me, and this could just be, um, I guess, because of how you're raised and stuff, but you know, there is definitely like that, like there's a lot of respect for elders mm. and there's like very, like, I don't want to say old school, but yeah, totally. you know, a, a lot of the, like, yeah, I don't know. You've basic manners. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're very polite. Crazy how polite you are. <laughs> I could learn a thing or two from Luca. Maybe the attitude that you're kind of talking is about is like a kind of traditional values almost like, yeah. like you said, respect yeah, your elders, the yeah. family, the group. It's not all about that person. They're not all special, that kind of stuff. I, I was apprehensive to use that moniker because I don't want, you know, to sound like this weird, obsolete, like, you know, like right mentality, kind of like conservative thing, which, which is not the case at all. But um, I guess as far as like, you know, devoting focus to, um, you know, your family and your loved ones and your friends and stuff is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part of, mm -hmm. of, of that, which I can see. And yeah, it's, I love hanging out with your family. Your family's awesome, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, back to a couple of your other musical projects, Luca. Um, you've only played really in black metal bands from what I was able to read. Um, so what's it much of a change for you going from playing something like black metal into death metal? And what was the most exciting thing about changing genres for you? Um, so none of that was planned, I would say, per se, like, you know, um, from, from, you know, coming from my roots and like always being into some kind of 
heavy music, you know, uh, in one form or another, in one way or another, like I was always, you know, um, listening and, you know, experiencing music pretty much the same way. It just happened that I, you know, ended up in playing in a black metal band, but also around those years, like 2000, 2001, two, three, and four, um, there was like this explosion of East European bands, uh, you know, in, in primarily in like black metal circles and, you know, <clears throat> like, um, Andy from, you know, Judas Iscariot, he moved back to Germany. I think Neil from Krieg also lived there. And as you know, they had plenty of bands, you know, um, come, coming from, from, from there as well at the time. And just the scene and the labels and the festivals and stuff like that. It was just the kind of environment we were all in. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, black metal was, was, was huge, um, back home around those years, I guess, even more so than, you know, when it all originally started, like back in the nineties. Um, so yeah. And you know, the stone, uh, the guys are all older than me, like almost 10 years older than me. So, and the band obviously already existed before I joined them. I was just kind of practicing and, you know, hanging out with them. And then one day, you know, I was like, Hey, why don't you try out? And then that's, that's how I ended up being, um, you know, in a, in a black metal band, uh, here with, with David, when I met him, uh, we just started talking music and I mean, what we, we went down to the jam space, we, like he just started playing some riffs and I just started playing some drums and that was it. So yeah, we are a death metal band, but there's definitely a plethora of influences, you know, um, coming into Atrabilis, making it what it is. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mean to speak on Lucas behalf here, but personally, like I also sense that there's just like, a very prevalent like just musical chemistry in that way like i think i think one of our languages is actually music together like i don't know it feels like you know in a lot of the i guess because we've been playing music together for a, quite a while now at least as far as like how many times a week we we play together and stuff we we almost finish each other's sentences in a lot of ways musically when when we're in the space like luca can definitely read the way that i'm interpreting music um Luke's a little enigmatic to me, which is awesome. It keeps me feeling very stimulated and stuff, but yeah, I definitely feel that, um, yeah, it, we, we do have a way of, you know, I don't want to say, you know, Jedi riffing, but it's, it kind of feels like that sometimes, you know, as well, which, which is awesome. Mm. Kind of like a consistent flow state then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Fair enough. And you've got a wide variety of musical history yourself there, David. So when you guys got together, how did you decide on the um, musical direction of Atre Billis? There was absolutely no discussion. It's <laughs> just, it. just nothing. We, and we haven't really. I mean, like sometimes we will have dialogues and stuff about, um, you know, tr trying to have the foresight of, of music and how it may be interpreted, particularly in like the live arena and stuff, which yep. I think we kind of have to talk about because due to our circumstance, we haven't been able to take our songs out for a test drive to live audiences before or take new songs out on tour and see how people react to them. So, so in that sense, we, we sometimes talk about what would be cool or what wouldn't be cool and, and those considerations. But for the most part, there is absolutely no discussion about like any templates or rule books or if anything, we're trying with with musical song writing to be to be us. Um, and I, I, from what I understand, that there are some listeners 
who feel that that's actually one of the bigger takeaways from from us, um, which which is really nice actually. But yeah, we we never ever ever spoke about it even being a death metal band. I think Luke had texted me and was like, "Hey, do you want to jam?" And when we met, I was wearing a grindcore shirt. I was wearing a squash bows shirt. So it, yes, you did. So I mean, it could have been grind. It could have been death. It could have been black. It could have been like it could have been anything. And um, it's funny on that first, even on the, the very first. Uh, time we were in the studio together so he came up <clears throat> you came up with that riff for uh sulfur curtain which is like the second song on divinity and it was you know and i just wanted to kind of get into it by doing this sort of hammer smashed face intro with like and then we just kind of got into it and that song totally you know and it's like a pure death metal song it's like probably one of the cleanest death metal songs that we have but already the second song was ectopian which again like opens up and goes and then comes back you know and, and stuff like that so it's interesting mm. i guess we already knew then that it was going to be going to be a little different mm. you know yeah absolutely and i think we just kind of lean in to that now like if it's feeling um i don't know i i guess when we first started doing it it was a little weird but you know we've definitely leaned into that territory now and we enjoy it you know, a lot of the newer songs and things were we're sitting in these hypnotic states for a lot longer than we have previously. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I guess, having an open mind about that stuff and not talking about wanting to sound death metal. And here I am mm-hmm. with, with, with air quotes here um, is, is kind of a, a good thing for us. So. I feel like with you guys as well, a lot of bands are kind of branching out and kind of blurring those boundaries even further, not necessarily to um, make sure that they don't belong within a certain realm. It's just then they're not afraid of experimenting and they don't, they're not pinned down or at least restricted by, oh, well, this is supposed to be death metal. This is supposed to be black metal. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's, I mean, some of my favorite bands aren't, aren't metal at all. And, yeah, and likewise. there's, there's been a lot of bands that really do blur those, those lines and uh, like, doing some really amazing things like i'm no, i'm going to butcher this name but aransu pazuzu aransi pazuzu yeah, aransu, yeah. you know that that is a band where it's like are they a psych rock band are they a death metal band are they a nightmare are they uh, a film score like what what are they you know and yeah, you know, swans. yeah swans yeah but out north they're doing some really bizarre things now suffering hour are definitely leaning into that so it'll be interesting to see how their sound develops for sure um, that's an interesting band yeah so it's 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 cool i mean in, in in a weird way i don't actually think about those bands as being metal as much as i do like a state of mind you know so that's it yeah hmm. i've heard that quite a few times with different uh metal bands especially um when you compare something to like blood incantations last album versus the one before it's like completely different if you mm-hmm. liked metal and that's what you were expecting with this next one you'd be very, very surprised. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very clear, though, that those dudes are just all homies. And, you know, I mean, to them, it's just making music is is fun. Is there a stampede going on upstairs? I can't <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think hats off to them for, you know, just like not actually really caring about trying to appease even their fan base. So they're, they're clearly just doing shit for them and, and having fun with it. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool because they've, they've probably picked up a lot of fans who just listen to that record and not their other music yeah. as well. It's so, so weird because how, how I found out about them was, um, 
on their first EP, uh, they had a bass player session guy from Australian band Stargazer, which is like one of my favorite bands of all time. And so I heard that EP and was like, oh man, like this is very interesting, like an interesting take on old school death metal with like this twists, you know, psyche stuff. And then they dropped, you know, Starspawn. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> yeah, they were pretty much, you know, set on their path and stuff. But yeah, that, that goes to show how, you know, for us at least usually comes from those weird corners you know mm. like like totally something different yeah and stargazer uh yeah Man. if anybody here's listening to this hasn't hasn't checked out stargazer absolutely uh, that's that's one of the big takeaways you should be um you know taking away from this go go check out Stargazer. absolutely because they rip mind-blowing I was going to ask this later, but this is a perfect time. Who are some of your favorite bands? I know we've covered a few, but do you have any other ones you'd like to shout out for? Just in general or metal or anything you want. I'm going to listen to everything you guys say. So, Oh, man, asking me what my favorite bands are is, is it's, it's not just dependent on like my mood and time of the day and, and whatever, but it's, it's. I don't know. I'm nourished by a lot of different things. I kind of feel like music is, is genuinely on, um, in my life at, at every waking hour. I feel like e- even if I'm working, um, you know, I've got some ambient music on just to, just to help me deep focus. And, you know, if I'm cooking dinner, depending on my company here, you know, I might put on some music that we both listen to or whatever, but I guess as far as like heavy music is concerned, um, I don't know that I've actually, I mean, you know, I, I listen to the greats, you know, um, you know, as we're talking here, I'm looking at a mortician skate deck that's hanging up on my wall and stuff. So I definitely listen to mortician and stuff, which is very different to what we sound like. So it's pretty much a crime um, not to, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to just put it down to genres, I guess, really. Otherwise we, we'd literally be here oh, forever. For sure, yeah. But, you know, I guess, I guess recently, if, if I was to wrap up this last, you know, a few days. Um, I picked up a Tim Hecker record um, yesterday from Audio Pile, um, which is kind of like electronic ambient kind of stuff, which which is great. Um, I was listening to Grave a couple of nights ago uh, at the gym um, this morning. I was I was listening to to Turmoil, um, which is yeah, fucking killer hardcore kind of metal bands. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot of. I guess death metal that really excites me is stuff like defeated sanity, suffocation, um, just riff like, like, you know, I, I don't mean to sound machismo, but you know, like grown ass fucking riffs, you know, I think, I think riffs that put hair on your chest is, you know, I, I, I you know, we need more of that. And, um, I don't know. I think, I think people were, I don't, want, I don't want to generalize here, but you know, I, I kind of feel like death metal needs to be picked up and just kind of push push forward in the in the riff factory department again. And you know, I get this Neanderthalic kind of lens of you know, caveman, heavy, stompy, blah blah. But fucking, you know, we've got obituary. Like we can we can put that on at any point. It's been done. Let's let's refocus. Let's regroup. Let's you know, let's let's really make some some interesting narratives with with just riffs again. You know, so. Yeah. What about you? It, it's weird, right? Like when somebody asks you, you know, like, not, not you specifically, but like when somebody <laughs> random asks, oh, what kind of music you listen to? It's like, oh, yeah. man. 
like yesterday I jammed, you know, Manila Road, Crystal Logic. To, oh. Today I listened to Siuxi and the Banshees, you know, oh. uh, for like hours. And uh, yeah, all music. But no, I all mean, the place, then. yeah, like I can, you know, I can spend a day with like Sabbath and Blue Cheer and Suck and Dust and um, Scorpions, like, you know, days on end and stuff like that. But then it would be, it would be something like, you know, like Faith No More for quite a bit, or Swans, or you know, um, yeah, it's 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 really it's really hard, but it's also not because wherever mm-hmm. I look, I can just pick up a band and stuff. Probably my favorite extreme metal band of all time, if you can say that, is definitely Morbid Angel. Just the aura of those early recordings is unmatched, you know. As much as like DSide was super scary and, uh, you know, made us all poop our pants when we first heard Legion and um, still do. What? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, just incredible stuff, right? So, yeah. Going into like more, you know, like later on, like what bands like, like These Gorge did, you know, and uh, Safo being unbeatable and um, yeah. And then all the way to the weirdness, like, like Stargazer, like, um, what else is there yeah just just bands and bands and bands you know fair enough <clears throat> so david when it comes to lyrics you've got like a you got quite the unique style so there are no traditional choruses to speak of um and instead of telling like a story through like traditional like first or third person view you kind of state um and maybe this is a bad term a bit for but like rather factually what's going on in that world do you take the same kind of stance on the lyrics that you kind of do with your music? Like you don't really plan, you kind of just what you think of, you write down, or what's your writing process like? Definitely not the same psychedelics. Yeah, yeah, it kind of. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. My my influences are on a. Yeah, I mean there are there are themes, there are consistencies, but there's also some variation as well. Uh, firstly, thank thanks for reading the lyrics, um, you know, and putting them under the microscope. I appreciate that. Um, I think removing myself um from the first person perspective is just um like a a necessity um in that you know our lyrics you know fundamentally could be considered you know uh, like varying narratives about ego death and there's there's nothing that makes me cringe more than the thought of our music being about i feel this way i feel that way listen to me you know it's just it's just it's just yucky you know (laughs) so i i also kind of like the idea that in these in these worlds that you know we have artistic liberty to to explore that um it's you know I'd, i'd like to kind of set those worlds up as as something that a participant of our music is observing just because that's kind of how I also treat music and, and art and stuff. So um, I, I think it's a little self-indulgent in some ways that I'm, I'm trying to prepare lyrics and storytelling in, in a way that stimulates me and is interesting and is, is you know, in, in some ways very connected but also disassociated as well um so i guess that's that's on that sorry i missed the second half of that question it was there's like no form like oh yeah well there are courses because we make them but like when you read it like i guess it's not it's not apparent yeah yeah so i think i think storytelling and narratives and stuff is like the main intent with with our lyrics um our lyrics are part of a conceptual bigger story and so um, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, I'd, I'd like to 
think that um, you know everybody's going to interpret our, our lyrics individually and, and uniquely, but um, it should at, at, at its core tell tell a story from start to finish and, and lead from one place and go to another. And I guess our music also doesn't have as many kind of like A B A B bridge B B song structures, and so because of that, there's no real need to have like those conventional musical hooks that radio songs have got. Like our music is very different. The ingredients that we use and the recipes that we use for our songwriting is just it's 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 very different, and so um, those conventional rules just wouldn't fit you know it would be like trying to fit a square peg into a triangular hole it just it just doesn't work that way with us so mm -hmm. for me personally if i can say it like i know i'm a little biased but just reading through some like when he first sends me i don't even know if you i can call them sketches you pretty much send me an almost finished song and then you go on and just replace them but when i read like i'm really <clears throat> that's just some of the most unique lyric writing i've come across and i always go for that like i always look you know into themes you know that the bands present themselves with and stuff like that and i love art and just that kind of you know that's why i just hoard records and, mm -hmm. and, and and music and stuff like that because like that's that's my world yeah when, when i go and just you know get in, go into his lyric like i'm just trying to picture how his mind works because yeah some of the, in the words like how they come together and then later on how Jordan expresses them, you know, with, with, with his totally, you know, unique style of singing. And yeah, I, it, it cannot be better for this band. So, um, yeah. Um, and ly lyrics are, are just as important as the music uh, when it comes to these bands. Mm -hmm. If I may say mm -hmm. so. Thanks man. Yeah. It's the, the lyrics are, they are important, but it's weird. Cause I don't really listen to lyrics as a listener <laughs> so much. I, I read a lot more books like i imbibe you know words through through written publication as opposed to more you know i guess like singer songwriter stuff so mm -hmm. that's probably a major influence on the lyrics it's it's just like my book reading and like my my own mental musings and stuff so so obviously it's no secret that uh, some of your inspiration come from psychedelics uh mm -hmm. it's posted on your instagram's uh post as well i'm just wondering like do you write when you're experiencing through psychedelics or do you write like after everything has kind of calmed down a little bit i mean that's i don't know it's a little interesting because i mean like it's at, at periods of my life i um i don't actually really know when i'm totally i guess sober <laughs> but i don't, I don't mean that to, to sound like well i don't want to say sober but like in this state of i guess yeah. like um what's the best way of putting that i don't know like uh, I don't know, consciousness, unconsciousness, whatever you want In to between. call it. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I definitely feel that psychedelics, um, they, they stimulate my thinking in, in a really positive way. And I've, I've certainly felt that, um, regularly, well, use of, of psychedelics definitely broadens one's lexicon and you know, it promotes cognitive function and mental health and like a, a plethora of, of things. Um, and so, yes, I have definitely written lyrics under the influence of psychedelics. Um, 
but I've also written lyrics in the wake of profound psychedelic experiences and needed to put things down on paper because visions and learnings and guides have opened up things to me that are just incredibly inspiring. And, um, yeah, I, I use the word stimulating a lot, but it, it definitely feels that there's a, a charge upstairs with a lot of that stuff. And, uh, lyrically it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a part of that, that apparatus, you know? So it's, it's a way of me expressing things in, in a way that also helps me understand my own psyche in a lot of ways. Like mm. I didn't actually make that connection on some of these records for some time afterwards, but you know, uh, I guess with further exploration and conversations with therapists and friends and just that type of thing, I've, I've come to realize that if it wasn't for a lot of trauma that I've sustained with loss of friends and family and, you know, just other parts of my life, I, I probably wouldn't have things swimming back there that, um, you know, I guess kind of influences things, um, that, that I like to explore under, um, yeah, I guess more conscious states, if you want to put mm -hmm. it that way. Um, so it's, it's been a real positive for us. Um, you know, I, I, I personally feel that it's, it's, it's a really beneficial tool for, for mental health, even if mm -hmm. it is just through creative output, um, or whether it's more, whether it's for, you know, religious experience, meditation, reflection, um, you know, working through trauma, whatever it is, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that, that's my personal sentiment on it. And I think mm. it's a, a safe and, and, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's plant medicine, you know, it's, it's, it's here for a reason. And well, I, you know, when we say psychedelic compounds, I mean, that's restricted to certain compounds, but plant medicine is, is definitely something that, um, that is very important, I feel. So as you've already touched on, like the effect of psilocybin on um, different mental states, like stuff like PTSD, trauma, um, it's being studied and looked upon now. So my question here is, what do you think about the recent attitude shift, at least within Canada, towards psilocybin and um, stuff like that in the research and medical field? Mm. Okay, so this is this is tricky. Uh, I guess I guess I'll break it down into, and, and this is just my own personal sentiments, and, and this is likely to change throughout the course of my life. I could listen back to this interview in twenty years' time and just be like, "Oh my god, what did I say that?" You know. But currently, um, my my first um, instinct here is just like it's about fucking time. You know, like I mean, Western construct is just it's um, it's kind of ignoring the fact that psychedelics and plant medicine has been used as medicine forever in other cultures. Um, yeah. you know, doctors are considered things like priests and shamans in, in other parts of the world. And it's, I, I think it's, it's extremely positive that, um, you know, the West is, is kind of being more open to this, but I often wonder if a lot of these researchers and, and doctors and, um, those orchestrating, um, these types of studies have actually just had personal epiphanies with, with their own personal experiences and realized, Whoa, hang on a second. This like, actually rules. This, this is, this, this is, yeah. this is immense. Um, yeah. and you know, I've certainly been guilty of, you know, um, being a younger version of myself and 
categorizing people who use certain compounds as a certain type of derogatory type or psychonaut or somebody that's just like off with the fairies, you know, and like, I get that, you know, I've been there and, you know, it's like, I'll never push my, um, my feelings about certain things onto anybody else or, or feel that, um, people who oppose it, um, are necessarily wrong. I just kind of feel sorry for people who don't have access um, to expansion, you know, and understanding, um, because I, I feel like it's something that we're all in, in, I don't want to say entitled to, but, you know, supposed to experience. I mean, it's not like this stuff is made in somebody's bathtub. It's like, it, it's, it's literally made from roots of plants and sweat out of frogs and growing on the side of our pavements. And I mean, it's, it's, it's here, like it always has been. And, Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I feel a little frustrated that there are people in prison for providing these natural compounds to people for beneficial use, because it's been regulated by governments who don't, don't want this. And, you know, Terrence McKenna writes a lot about this in that he feels that psychedelics are actually like one of the biggest threats, um, to the way that our societies, uh, have been, been built because it, 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 it lets people, yeah, it, 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 it opens people's minds into understanding that, you know, we, we don't actually need a rat race. We don't like money isn't actually that important. Like you can choose to live outside in a climate that's conducive to it. And you can choose to be off the grid and you can choose not to contribute and pay tax and you can, you can choose whatever you want. But when, when that choice is kind of, you know, it's masked with things like advertisements on television and consumer culture and social media and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, 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 it's easy to kind of, you know, mask that stuff. So it's, it's, it's a really, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a multi-layered topic for me, um, as it is with other people, but I think ultimately it's really positive. Um, I just, I personally feel that everybody should have access to plant medicine everywhere in the world. I mean, if it, it if it's there, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be taken away. You know, it's and it shouldn't it shouldn't be criminalized and it shouldn't be stigmatized and it shouldn't be. You know, I just yeah, but that's that's my personal feeling on it all. I agree. The first biggest step, at least towards like acceptance, was the legalization of cannabis in Canada, mm-hmm. and I think that was also a reaction to. Um, how much good it can do it's a positive step it's giving people alternative ways to deal with their suffering and to deal with their issues rather than just like relying on on western medicine i don't see the the demonization of it i guess and that's also coming from a person who used to be completely against it mostly for the legality reasons but mm. also not really understanding with what benefits they had um what they were actually used for and then being taught growing up that all drugs are bad mm. yeah absolutely i mean I, I come from a part of the world where um you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a big drinking culture. Um, if, if you're caught with cannabis in your system, like your license can be revoked. If you're driving under the influence and it's in your system, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to be living here in, in Canada where that, that sense of um, fear that it's wrong has been stripped away, um, which I think is like a key component to actually like experiencing um, the medicine of this plant. Um, there is absolutely nothing worse than, and consuming something that that alters what what you're used to um as far as consciousness is concerned 
but then having it coupled with a concern or an anxiety or, or a worry, like that's unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can put somebody into a bad headspace um, if they haven't got the mental strength to understand that it's actually okay, right? And I do, um, I do applaud the, the Canadian government for um, making, you know, information on cannabis very accessible to people um and and moving forward in that way and you know it's 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 also great that you know a lot a lot of the money that's 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 made off buying cannabis from the government is going back into our infrastructure and schools and it's it's a win-win i i actually think that like it was probably america's model that that influenced um canada here so I, th- I think things are changing. I think that like the three of us are at this strange kind of precipice of, of generations where, you know, that, you know, not to shit on boomers, but, you know, the boomers are aging out. Um, you know, we've got these kids that are like 13, 14 years old that are like so much more woke than we'll ever be, mm-hmm. you know, um, and people are fluid with all of their thoughts, you know, and it's, it's not just about, you know, compound consumption, but it's about sexuality and, and openness and, you know, just, just a whole heap of just really, really positive, um, you know, I, I guess like mental mapping. So it's, 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 it's kind of holistic, um, in, in a push for just like a, a, a better way of, 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 of people living their lives. I think, um, you know, if you, you've, you know, we've, we've touched on the benefits of cannabis and other compounds and stuff, but, I, I don't think that we're all there yet. I think there's, you know, I, I think everywhere in the world should should kind of be on the same page about this. But then, you know, like why stop there? Like why why do we have closed borders? Why is it like it just it just it just goes on and on and on and on and on and yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's it's one. You know, it's it's I I, I think it's very um, it's 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 I don't want to say cathartic, but it's it's nice that this band has got complete artistic freedom to do whatever we want to do and write about whatever we want to write under the influence of whatever we want to be under the influence by. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I think it's a combination of, of being, being in a place that, that accommodates that, um, as well, which, which I am grateful. I, th- I think that that's one of the, the major positives in me living in, in Canada, actually, I would say it's definitely accelerated, um, that, uh, I guess, uh, what'd you call that? Like, like just pr- promoting wellness in, in ways that are, yeah, as, as you said, demonized in, in a lot of other places, which, which is unfortunate, you know? Mm-hmm. I think in Canada too, we have like a pretty good way of encouraging people to explore what's going on in their minds, not necessarily through altered means of consciousness, but things like talking about your feelings is okay. Bringing up issues with other people is perfectly fine. And it's saying like, get that shit out of your head and then move forward. Like you were t- touching on earlier. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I don't mean to be like hogging all this. That's so okay, please feel free to, to jump in. <laughs> but cool. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and, and as I said about not quite being there yet, like I, I do totally agree with you. Um, but I also feel like, you know, we kind of need to push that even further and just like people need to understand that like, you know, talking about your feelings is, 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 is great, but like, you have to also, like, everybody needs to fundamentally understand that like, it's on you to take responsibility of your own agency. And if you're not communicating about how you're feeling, you can't be upset with other people for not understanding how you're feeling. And I think that there is actually like a bit of a social gap there that we still need to close. 
um, you know, especially with like call out culture and social media and stuff like people don't really, un oh, I don't want to, I want to say people don't understand this, but I think that there is still like quite a large schism there where people, there, there's still a sense of, in oh, gotta be careful about how I say this, but I think, I, yeah, I, I think being vocal about your agency should, should definitely be something that we are all pushing for and that it's not it's not wrong at all to express that and it, it is actually wrong to not express agency i feel like but that's that's just my personal experience here with with things so it's great um you know uh, i agree with you that canada is very good at that we're definitely miles above uh, or ahead of of other other ways um i'm sure melbourne's changed a lot in the five years that i've been away but when i left it was it was definitely not that case it was don't talk about your feelings you know mm. it's actually it's really a sign of weakness to talk about your feelings which which is absolutely not the way that we should we should be or act and mental health is like absolutely imperative i mean how many people do we lose to suicide you know to to this to exactly this and it's it, it fucking sucks man you know like we we have to we have to promote people like not just feeling okay with talking about their feelings but like making people feel so safe about talking about their feelings that everybody's supporting everybody you know like everybody makes mistakes everybody gets into a dark place everybody does things that that feels a bit funny but like if we're not actually talking about it we're not we're not taking like like we're actually negatively affecting our community because the way that we're acting is not humane right and yeah i don't know it's it's, it's complicated but yeah i'm with you talk about feelings feelings are cool <laughs> yeah exactly like how are you supposed to have a healthy relationship if you can't tell the other person like hey, I don't like that. I don't want to put up with it for the next 60 years. 100%. Or, you know, if you're at work and you feel like shit, you're never going to go in. If you want to feel good yeah. or if you want your employees to come in, fucking treat them well, feel them like they're wanted, yeah. make them feel like part of a family. And as long as those, um, as long as you can voice your opinions, your feelings and stuff like that and have a good conversation with somebody, everyone's healthier. They're more um, industrious. Their overall happiness has, is exponentially higher than it would have been otherwise. It is scary though, right? Like talking about your feelings is, is really scary because it can go one of two ways, right? Like if you talk to a boss about that stuff, they can either say, thank you. Great. Let us know how we can support. We value you. Or it can be, get the fuck out of here. You're a headache. Right. And you don't that know, like, you've, you've got no idea how that's going to go. But as, as long as you're being your person and you're doing what's right for you, if somebody mm -hmm. responds in that way, then you're already in a better place because you've just fast tracked that toxicity and you've just like, you've shed your skin off it. Right. And you can just work on more positive opportunities. So... <clears throat> Not only that, but if you talk about your feelings, then your boss does say, like, shut the fuck up and get out of here. You know that you need to axe that job. If your employer that's, is not going to support you, then that, don't be there. You have that's exactly options. what I mean by accelerating, you know, an exit route out of that toxicity, right? For exactly that, right? Like, you're done. You're dusted. You knew. Your intuition is on, on point, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 100%. I know we're, again, jumping back and forth, but... Um, you guys were most recent, not most recently, but last year you guys were featured in um, 2021's Masterpieces uh, by Heavy Music Artwork because of the album cover <coughs> by Eliran Cantor. So how did you get hooked up with him? With Eliran? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just obviously knew about his work and you know we were excited to give it a try just to ask him and uh, yeah he lined up some dates that he may be available to do it or was it one two sketches no Eliron and then some yeah so Eliron was forth, yeah. yeah it was originally Luca's idea Luca was pushing for Eliron um, because he rules thankfully we we had a lot of support from our label 20 bucks spin so we we wouldn't have been able to engage eliran if it wasn't for dave at 20 bucks spin so thank you dave we love you dave you're the best dave um and because of that we we were able to to reach out to to eliran and you know formally work with him um, I, I don't actually remember if there were any sketches. I know there was there was one or, or, original draw, like it was like a progress drawing, and it was it was effectively just the third eye, the three eyed skull just that the you skull see. Was there, yeah. And then we we asked him if he could expand that scene to encapsulate more of the the concepts, the lyrical, yeah. themes, which he did. Um, but there was there was no rework. It was just um, further work, I guess. Yeah, say. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. He was super easy to work with, with regards to the masterpieces. Um, we, we just got a direct email from the, yeah, the guys. Alex, yeah. Alex, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like, from memory, he sent an email and he's like, I hope you don't mind me asking if we can feature your artwork in a book. And it's like, mate, yeah, why would we yeah, mind? Like, absolutely. please, what can we yeah, do? There you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he actually sent through some really interesting interview questions um, and only like a very small portion of it um, ended up uh accompanying the the piece but yeah alex alex is a really intelligent guy and he had some really really interesting insightful um questions about the band which you know nobody else will get to know about but it's it's worth us just kind of hammering that home that he's a or she i'm not sure alex he i think yeah yeah. um alex milazzo i think he's italian yeah um yeah great great person um yeah and i haven't actually got a copy of that book but yeah, I'm sure it looks definitely amazing. seen <laughs> previous issues a, a few times in my life, and yeah, it looks fantastic. So that was that was a great honor. Mm-hmm. And then you guys have also worked with Adam Burke, and so uh, where I'm going with that is like you had like a rough sketch posted on your Instagram. Was the experience similar as working with Illyrian? Like, um, basically, just sent you a rough and said, "Could you kind of expand on this?" Or they're both pros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam was super easy. It was a few emails and that was done. <laughs> yeah, originally, originally we asked him if he could um, paint his normal, very psychedelic sky, which he's known for and definitely the man for that. But we we thought it may be a cool idea to actually flip the painting over and apply the skin and the flesh-coloured paint onto the body in like a very runny consistency, mm. upside mm. down, and let it cure so that when you flipped the artwork back up, it would give the illusion that the body was dripping upwards into the sky. Um, and so when we got the final piece back, that that wasn't in there, but it's the sky is just like so mesmerizing um, that yeah, I mean we, we we love it. There was there was no rework, there were no edits. There was what what you see is what you get. It was amazing, but yeah, that was that was part of the original conversations which which changed a little um on what we got but yeah absolutely over the moon with with adam and when when we engaged adam it was before he went through this like possibly could be one of the busiest 
artists in the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in the last couple, yeah, it, it felt like when Divinity Hillary came out, it was like every <clears> second <throat> metal release had an Adam, Adam Burke artwork, you know, <laughs> which we weren't expecting, but it, it, it definitely looks incredible and yeah, very, um, very eye catching cover, I think. So for sure, yeah. they both got incredible styles. Um, are you planning on working with either of them for your next release? Or can you say? We'll see. <laughs> so Luca, Luca, Luca is the man that um, generally finds the artists um, that, that we work with. And let's just say Luca, Luca's got a knack for uh, finding some pretty crazy sick shit. So mm. let's let's just keep it at that. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Then my next question is: uh, What made you seek out Christian Donaldson of Cryptopsy? Uh, so Apex Apian was actually mixed by two other engineers before we reached out to Christian. Okay. And I didn't have time to mix it. I, I didn't want to mix it. Um, so we, we reached out to Christian, um, to see if he would be interested in, in mixing the record for us. And he was in the middle of an extremely demanding few projects and could barely fit us in, but did somehow. And just like Eliran and just like Adam Burke, um, we got one, one, um, I guess, reference mix back and it was, it was huge. <laughs> um, there were very, very small changes that, that we really sent back to him. And it was, it was just an incredibly refreshing, um, experience. So yeah, we, we have full faith in, in everything that Christian does and he's, he's just such a nice guy. Yeah. And he rules. He's, you know, yeah, we've, we've, we've had some conversations with him afterwards, video chats and stuff. And he's just, he's a total homie, you know? So, um, yeah, just really, really good dude on top of just being like one of the best. Um, but yeah, I guess we, we reached out to him for like, yeah, I, mean, I guess there were a couple of other other additional considerations. I mean, he's Canadian, which kind of is great. And, you know, he mm. plays guitar in Cryptopsy, who are a big influence on us. And, yeah, he's he's got a consistent track record. And it just it just felt like a very secure and, like, obvious um, person to, to reach out to. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean... We, we probably sound a lot more modern than our, you know, the other brother and sister bands of 20 bucks spin, um, which, which is different, I think, to, to a lot of people following the 20 bucks spin label. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally really, really happy with how it sounds. And I think every single little detail that every single member has put down on that record is clear and proud and, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what else to say. He's, Definitely, he's man. Total, yeah. total pro, you know. Okay. Um, for people looking for your guys' music, where is the best place for them to find it for you? I don't know. You know, the internet's, it's a number game, you know. So anywhere where, um, you know, like the streams are tallied, like helps algorithms, you know, it, it pushes us into other people's feeds. So, you know, Spotify is a big one. YouTube is another one. Um, you know, they may not be people's first choice of platforms, but ultimately with the way that the internet is designed, that, that helps. Um, as far as, 
royalties are concerned, Bandcamp um, or straight from the label by the physical media. Mm-hmm. Um, this band is supposed to be listened to on physical media. Um, you know, listening to Apex Apian on record adds a depth and a warmth that just is not replicated digitally. Um, and it, to my personal taste, sounds best on record, but sounds massive. Yeah. Um, but it's everywhere, you know, it's on, what is it? Amazon music and Apple music and yeah. Deezer. It's, it's everywhere. You know, 20 bucks being have put out Apex Apian, um, Transcending Obscurity put out, uh, Divinity Hility and that's, uh, I, th- I think it's all the same platforms, but you know, the, the major consumption sites and stuff, you know, have, have got it all available. Divinity Hility's sold out on, on record. So. I don't, I don't I think you can buy it online anywhere unless you're hitting discogs, but yeah, everything else is, is out there to purchase somewhere. Just Google it and you'll find it. Awesome. Uh, David, Luca, I want to thank you again for joining me today and taking time out of your schedule. So I appreciate this and hopefully we can chat again. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah, it was a blast. Fucking hey, thanks for, thanks for wanting to chat and thanks for hanging out with us too. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.